Do you enjoy having ridiculously long names that other players can't pronounce so they give you a nickname based on your long name? If you're looking for a race of inquisitive and intelligent people and tend to be handy at building clockwork machines in Burroughs Underground, then have I got the race for you today. On today's edition of the Injure Sage, I discuss gnomes, the history, culture, sub-races, religion, and so much more in today's episode. Welcome gamers, and thank you for tune, tuning in to the Yinzer Sage. Uh, we are continuing our discussion of races with today's discussion of gnomes. Uh, I've played maybe one or two throughout my career. Uh, for a while I didn't like gnomes. Because I had one kill character of mine. It was uh, another player. Um, I think he died. And he dropped his short sword. And when I tried to pick it up. It stabbed me in the back. And killed me. But. Uh, stupid gnome. But. Uh, my character actually. Came. Uh, was resurrected. A bit later. Uh via the sacrifice of another character of mine um and then my character that came back to life has been around since pretty much uh yeah he hasn't really died since but that one time was enough for him uh to learn but that character was an elf but yeah i i have played a couple gnomes but not very frequently um i only play them if i want to play someone who like I'm, I'm an old school player so if i play a gnome i'm playing one that is full bat shit crazy you know one that has a long name that you know, the players have to give him a nickname, you know, based off his name. Uh, he's going to have wild hair, do crazy stuff, you know, like, but he'll be one of the best, uh, you know, I, like, it all depends because I tend to either play wizards or artificers as gnomes so and that so yeah I've, it always varied you know a little bit with them but needless to say let's start with the uh publication history uh gnomes have been around since the original 1974 edition of D&D and its second supplement Blackmore in 75. Um, they appeared as player character races in the original Player's Handbook 1978. They were also in the original Monster Manual in 77. Uh, the new Gnomish subrace, the Deep Gnome or Sniverbin, was presented as a character race in the original Unearthed Arcana in 1985. Another gnome subrace, the Tinker Gnome, or Minoy, focused on building mechanical devices, was presented in Dragonlance Adventures. Uh, 
the humorous solo quest adventures Gnomes 100 Dragon Zero featured these gnomes in the resistance against the dragon army of Tegesis. Huh, I had never known that. They were originally introduced to D&D as a new alternative to dwarves, elves, and halflings. They were developed from mythology from a number of different sources, originally being a beard short race similar to halflings and dwarves. Um, their niche in play was made to be magical to separate it from the more warrior-like dwarf and the more rogue-like halfling. Um, in the basic edition, they were in the basic set as a monster, and then they became a playable character class in Topolista in 1989. Um, I never had that product, so I never got to play gnomes in basic D&D. Uh, Advanced D&D 2nd Edition, they appeared in the Player's Handbook, uh, 1989. They also appeared in the Monstrous Compendium, Volume 1, 1989. Four Nemesis races, uh, the Ro Forest Rock, Tinkerer, and Deep Snivaben were detailed as player character races in the complete Vulcan Gnomes and Halflings, 1993. 3rd uh, Edition. They appeared as a character race in the Player's Handbook 2000 and in the 3.5 Revised Player's Handbook. They were detailed for the Forgotten Realms in the setting right Races of Favorun 2003. And they were one of the races detailed in Races of Stone 2004. Um, throughout the indie history, up to and including the 3rd edition, Spellcaster gnomes were either illusionists or had illusionists as their favorite class. However, in D&D 3.5, gnomes' favorite class had been changed to bard, as the favorite class of illusionist was a subset of the wizard class. The wizard favorite class was already used by elves. In 3.5, gnomes are inventors and alchemists who love pranks and excelled engineering. The Tinker Gnomes Dragonlance were mechanically skilled, though their devices are quite prone to backfiring. It suggested that these Gnomes be given the Everon class Artificer as a favorite class due to their technical aptitude. Um, fourth edition, they appeared in the Player Character Race uh, Player's Handbook 2, 2009, and in the Monster Manual, 2008. Um, 5th edition, they are a player race in the player's handbook. Two sub-races were introduced, the Forest Gnome and the Rock Gnome. Um, the player's handbook connects the Rock Gnomes to the Tanker Gnomes of the Dragonlance setting. The Deep Gnome is also referenced in the player's handbook and fully detailed in the 5th edition Monster Manual. The Elemental Evil Player's Companion represents, presents, the Deep Gnome as a player race. Huh, I didn't know that, the 2015. I'll have to try and find that book, but <coughs> I think that's one I don't have. <coughs> Excuse me. As far as gnome sub-races, uh, we mentioned rock gnomes. They're 
the standard subnim race of third edition. They live in burrows beneath rolling wooded hills. Tanker gnomes are the common gnomes of the Dragonlance setting. They dwell in Mount Nevermind in the world of Kryn. Snivelmen are deep gnomes. They dwell in cities deep underground. They are more dangerous than the common rock gnome. Uh, forest gnomes are smaller than rock gnomes. They're shy secret of folk living in deep wooded areas. Friends to animals, forest gnomes have a racial ability that allows them to speak with small animals. Um, river gnomes are graceful and quick. They live in homes dug into the side of riverbanks and speak with rubber-dwelling animals in place of burrowing animals. They are non-magical but gain plus one to initiative and are efficient swimmers. Arcane gnomes are city dwellers. They generally keep to a small community within a larger city. They are focused on the pursuit of knowledge, making their populace in large part over-eager inventors or wizards. Chaos gnomes. These are the ones I love to play. They're most flamboyant ones, brightly colored and rare. They are strongly inclined towards chaos, as their name suggests. Whisper gnomes. Lack the jovial outlook of other gnome races. Sly and suspicious, they are creatures of stealth. Ice gnomes dwell in the region of Phosphel in the Eberron campaign setting. Fire gnomes live on Bipoia in the outer plains where they help Flandel Steelskin, the gnomish god of metal and crafting, in his work. Sky gnomes appear in the Creature Crucible PC2 top ballista. They are cunning engineers living in a flying city serene above the world of Mistra. Uh, in the Forgotten Realms campaign setting, gnomes are known as the Forgotten Folk. And uh, gnome society has changed greatly over the different editions. In first edition, they were per pretty much portrayed as they were intensely curious, intellectual, keeping in theme with their spellcasting niche and interest in gemstones. They typically lived in hills acted as intermediaries between dwarves, elves, and halflings. In the second edition, they received further background. According to the complete book of gnomes and halflings, gnomes have an intricate society based on their love for all kinds of arts, pranks, and their long lives. Their society is based on art. All gnomes must take up some form of art, whether music, painting, cooking, building, or any other form that is considered creative by the time they come of age. Gnomes are naturally friendly, highly social, and fun-loving people. They are respected by elves for their communion with nature and knowledge of arcane magic, admired by halflings for their humor, and sought out by dwarves for their gem-cutting skills. Let's talk their religions. Gargittle Glitter Gold was created by James M. Ward and first appeared in Non-Human Deities chapter of the original Deities and Demigods as the God of Gnomes. Roger E. Moore detailed several additional Gnomish gods in his article The Gods of the Gnomes in Dragon 61, May of 1982 including uh, Bearvane, Wild Wanderer, God of Adventure and Thieves, Erdlin, the Crawler Below, God of Evil, 
uh, Segojan Earthcaller, God of Earth and Nature, and Flandau Steelskin, God of Metalworking. These four newer gods also appeared in the original Unearthed Arcana in 1985. All five of these deities were detailed for the D&D 2nd Edition in the Volk Monster Mythology 92 by Carl Sargent, including details about their priesthoods. This book also introduced additional gods, including Barvar Cloak Shadow, God of Illusions, Protection, and Deception, Garadol Ironhand, God of Protection, Vigilance, and Combat, and Nebeldon the Meddler, God of Inventions and Good Luck. All of these gods also received very detailed description for their roles in the Forgotten Realms and Demi-Human Deities, 1998. So, let's talk about the... This is from D&D Beyond. The, what I'm going to talk about here is the gnomes from 5th edition. Uh, they're roughly three feet tall, weigh 40 to 45 pounds. They have tanner brown faces. Uh, they tend to have bigger bigger noses. Uh, their fair hair tend, has a tendency to stick out in every direction. Uh, a male gnome beard, in contrast to his wild hair, is kept carefully trimmed but often styled into curious forks or neat points. Gnome's clothing, usually made in modest earth tones, is elaborately decorated with embroidery, embossing, and gleaming jewels. Um, gnomes, like, being, as far as uh, gnomes are concerned, being alive is a wonderful thing. They squeeze every ounce of enjoyment out of their three to five centuries of life. Human might wonder about getting bored over the course of such a long life, and that will take plenty of time to savor the beauties of the world in their long years. But gnomes seem to worry that even with all that time, they can't get enough of the things they want to do and see. Gnomes speak as if they can't get the thoughts out of their heads fast enough. Even though they offer ideas and opinions on a range of subjects, they still manage to listen carefully to others adding the appropriate exclamation of surprise and appreciation along the way. The gnomes love jokes of all kinds, particularly puns and pranks. They're just as dedicated to the more serious tasks they undertake. Many gnomes are skilled engineers, alchemists, tinkers, and inventors, and they're willing to make mistakes and laugh at themselves in the process of perfecting what they do, taking bold and sometimes foolhardy risks and de deeming large dreaming large uh, like I said they tend to live underground in hilly wooded lands they tend to get more fresh air than dwarves do though they enjoy the natural living world on the surface whenever they can their homes are well hidden both by clever construction and simple illusions uh, welcome visitors are quickly ushered into the bright warm burrows those who are not welcome are unlikely to find the burrows in the first place um, Gnomes who settle in human lands are commonly gem cutters, engineers, sages, or tinkerers. Some human families retain gnome tutors, ensuring that their pupils enjoy a mix of serious learning and delighted enjoyment.
a gnome might tutor several generations of a single human family over the course of his or her long life. Um, and in 5th edition, they, they have a, a personal name, a clan name, and a nickname. Uh, and in from what it looks like they've shortened their names in 5th edition uh, I mean just the fact that they pick three different names um, but yeah they they were in earlier editions I've seen gnomes with names that were 30 to 40 different alphabetical uh, configurations long and uh, I won't deny that I've made a couple that are like that uh, needless to say uh, in fifth I mentioned the deep gnomes uh, are, are mentioned in the player's handbook um, and then uh, rock gnomes which are the ones who are like artificers um, but yeah then I don't think there's yeah I looked on roll 20 pretty much and it's just the same stats it, that one doesn't even talk about gnome uh, it doesn't yeah it doesn't even like talk about the other like deep gnomes or like all it talked about were the rock gnomes on that one um, but on the Forgotten Realms the Gnomes of the Forgotten Folk um, they pretty much they almost you know they say Gnomes range between 3 to 4 feet and a weight of 40 to 45 pounds um, Though forest gnomes can tend to be between two foot one and two foot ten in height and twenty one to thirty five pounds in weight tend to be smaller than halflings um, your regular gnomes tend to be between three to four feet and weigh about forty to forty five pounds in the forgotten realms. So yeah, but there are forest gnomes that are smaller than halflings in there. And um you know, sometimes they are compared to both elves and dwarves, you know, for their pointed ears and high cheekbones as comparable with elves uh or the dwarves for their tendency to grow long beards and live on the ground. Uh 
Many names had a more feral appearance than either, however, with hair that often sprouted from their heads in odd directions. Uh, the skin of gnomes ran in hue from reddish tans to earthly browns or even shades of gray, with exact hue somewhat depending upon the ethnic origin of the gnome. Similarly, gnomish hair varied widely in color from blonde to brown, and more exotic colors like white, orange, or even green. Gnomish eyes were often particularly in individuals who were native to the Feywild, glittering black or blue, though more natural eyes were also known to the race. In terms of clothing, they, they tended to prefer those earthen tones or made of leather. They similarly preferred jewelry with earthen tones. Um, they mentioned that they were intelligent, innately curious race. Uh, they may have lacked the drive and ambition of other race, particularly humans, but the creativity gave them a strong ability for ingenuity. Most names were content to live simple lives, acquiring knowledge merely as a hobby, but others explored lost ruins, delved deep into the heart of the world, conducted dangerous research in their unquestionable search for knowledge, leading more than to a few uh, to an untimely demise. Uh, gnomes were naturally witty and jovial. They preferred to overcome obstacles through cunning and innovation rather than the obvious way. Ever curious, they were drawn to adventure more often by a desire to see the world than out of greed or the hope of fame. It was this curiosity along with their cunning and witty repertoire that made them, uh, both entertaining friends and adepts, arcane spellcasters, or scholars. Most gnomes loved gems, particularly rubies. They were not avastrious. Gnomes that the most people encountered were content to raise goats and grow potatoes and live an honest, hard work. Uh, gnomes who left home to seek adventuring were rare, given the race, fame, shyness, and lack of ambition. Those that did were motivated by a number of factors, but the impulsive race was often driven by curiosity more than anything else. Many gnomes felt no more rational for adventuring than simply to explore the world that surrounded them. A few, the more orderly ones, sought an adventure for the more initially noble purposes, such as to help others, but these gnomes were rare. Other gnomes were driven to become adventurers by little more than a simple of ours, as adventuring was often seen as a quick if unsafe avenue for wealth. Adventuring was not necessarily for a welcome lifestyle among gnomes, despite the curiosity that filled the whole race, and sometimes was, in fact, seen as a betrayal of sorts to the gnomes' clan. Um... From a biology perspective, gnomes, many gnomes are weak compared to other humanoids, though this is far from a universal trait for the race. Like elves, they had sensitive hearing, were often capable of hearing things that other races might miss. Their eyes were suited for seeing low light to a good degree comparable with elves or Eldar Eldrin. Uh, gnomes were also very long-lived, often living as long as elves, which meant living over three centuries was not uncommonly rare, and five centuries was not unheard of. 
Generally, gnomes are considered to reach maturity at 40 years of age. However, unlike elves or eldren, gnomes showed a greater degree of aging as they grew older, and once a gnome had passed his or her first century, their hair began to gray, if it was not already white, and their skin began to wrinkle as in humans and dwarves. However, in the oldest gnome retained a vitality that would be extraordinarily unusual among many of the younger races. <coughs> Sorry, people. I zoned out for a moment there. Uh, abilities. They're a naturally intelligent and creative race with a charm about them unusual for other humanoids. Uh, they had a strong affinity for things magical. In particular, they had a natural grasp of the arcane, innately possessing the ability to cast the cantrip ghost sound, and some possessed the ability to cast predestination and mage hand as well. Some gnomes had a natural affinity for stealth, an affinity they could sometimes pass on to others, and illusion, both for being the purpose of using it for themselves, as well as seeing through it other attempts at it. After the spell plague, gnomes innately were able to use fadeaway power to disappear temptingly from sight, and additionally had a reflexive tendency to take cover and hide when suddenly endangered. Some gnomes learned also to combine their fadeaway ability with teleportation like that of an Eldrin. Other gnomes were capable of casting dancing lights. Uh, gnomes, as I mentioned multiple times, were talented illusionists with a natural grasp of the arcane. Regardless of the other talents, all the gnomes were capable of casting a cantrip or two and had the capability to disappear from sight if they wished. Gnomes were well suited to all forms of arcane training, particularly that of a bard, sorcerer, warlock, or wizard. They were only non-elven, half-elven race, capable of becoming Elvendul, the specialist wizards in their case. Uh, Nilankar, which is a illusionist necromancer. Um... Combat. They were known to wear a wide range of armor and shields in the combat, including leather studded, uh, leather uh, ringmail and chainmail. Most weapons they commonly fought with clubs, short bows, short swords, slings, and spears. Um, and then it goes into the history that, you know, they, you know, hidden caverns beneath a mountain in the land better known as Nethril. Uh, kobolds enslaved them first, which then that prompted Glittergold to collapse the mountain, killing most of the kobolds, including the depression known as the Hidden Lake, later as the Shoal of Thirst. Uh, 
I mean, it goes into quite a detailed uh, thing about their history in the Forgotten Realms. Uh, Subraces that are known in the Forgotten Realms, they only have three. They have the Forest Gnomes, um, Rock Gnomes, and then they have Deep Gnomes. There's never been... Uh, the society is pretty much the same. Uh, and for the most part, you know, they... Most gnomes uh, worshipped Gargoyle-Glittergold. Um, in the Forgotten Realms, the gnomes tended to live in the uh, Feywild as well as some places on Toril. They lived in earthen burrows, dug out homes, akin to those used by badgers, foxes, or rabbits. Um, but and they also tend to keep, you know, badgers, giant badgers, and wolverines as guard animals in their lairs. So, you know, that was always <laughs> a reason not to bother gnomes at their home. Uh, uh, they don't really, yeah, they, they found, they do mention some small communities were most commonly found in the western heartlands at Tortugard and along the coastline of the Shining Sea. Um, other gnomes, notably Snowrevin or Deep Gnomes, were found in the Underdark and were even more secretive than other gnomes, maintaining their distance from other races except for dwarves, which whom they were careful to maintain polite relationships for the purpose of protection. Uh, prior to the spell plague, many gnomes were also found in Latan, the only land dominated by gnomes. Um, however, during the chaos of the disaster, gnomish land was set, wept clean. Um, the Fadark was home to a large number of gnomes. Their physical appearance differed from the surface-dwelling cousins, Having larger eyes and skin so pale, it appeared almost translucent. It was also quite different from the culture of the surface-dwelling gnomes. They were known for violent tendencies and gallows humor, while madness and savagery were considered positive personality traits. They were also extremely xenophobic. Uh, I've already mentioned um, their religions... Uh, gnome, uh, I will mention in here, they do mention funeral rites are often employed cremation. If destroying the body and release the spirit to find its own way, cremation was also not land intensive. They were fairly quick to pull off if wood was abundant. Um, personal objects were also burned to send in the afterlife with the deceit. Different known deities had conflicting rules for barriers, such as Braven, Wild Wanderer, and Erdlin. Um, you know, I've already mentioned uh, their relations with the other races. Um, they tend to be on good terms with elves, halflings, and dwarves. Um, especially in Faerun, um, 
gnomes and dwarves tend to be counted as friends immediately, like just because they're uh, they because they both countered goblins and giants as enemies, and could be found working together against them. Um, they tend to be, you know, like I said, they got along with, you know, being particularly fond of the Eldarian, Eldrin, uh, good relations with elves. Uh, they got along well with halflings. They were generally suspicious of other races, however. Um, and then here it says their culture they produce distinctly glass colored or distinctly colored glass items known glass was green like impure jade and translucent the hue is a result of known crafters melting reshaping glass known green glass cups were a commodity found throughout the realms and uh, that's pretty much uh, Neverwinter. The gnome is in the standard Neverwinter. Um, PRC offers a wide slew of gnomish subraces. Um, I don't know if there's any. of them already built in I know with the PRC you get a bunch of them but uh, and actually like in um, number one or there's a gnome uh, like that you can get as a traveling companion I think that's a monk um, I know there's you know you can play a gnome uh, I've seen people play them on different servers you know there's always a use for a gnome here and there uh, they can be fun to play you know like I said uh, I'd like to play chaos gnomes but uh, Needless to say, I, you know, pretty much that's all I found on gnomes. I got like four pages, not really, like three, because D rolled D20 really didn't have anything different than the 5th uh, edition D&D Beyond. It's pretty much the same exact stuff except for beyond page has a bit more detail on it you know um and i didn't want to try and read exactly from each of them you know the whole thing i left stuff on each page you know that i didn't read so that you know if people want to you know look more into gnomes they can do so um but needless to say uh that's tonight's episode tomorrow's episode is going to be on clerics uh, to continue the classes for this week and then next week uh, 
let's see, I believe FGA, yeah, be halflings, uh, which I'm not sure exactly what day the episode will pop up, but, uh, yeah, I'll be talking about halflings on next week's episode, uh, this week I'm doing two episodes back to back, one today, one tomorrow, um, like I said, I'm doing clerics tomorrow, and then, uh, I think after clerics comes fighters, I think, um, I don't have a player's handbook right next to me, Oops, but, uh, if not, I'll figure that out before I put out the cleric episode, but, uh, needless to say, Oh, and I'm going to do a review for a book. Um, I didn't want to read from it entirely um, for the podcast, but in here, it there is, I do believe, um, yeah, there are is a section on gnomes, and I think they do detail the snivel bin. If I do remember correctly, yes. Um, I highly recommend getting the book Morning Canyon's Tome of Foes for 5th edition D&D. Um, if you're into sub-races, if you're into elves or dwarves or halflings or even gnomes, um, they have in here details about each race and why each race is at war with their specific chosen enemy like gnomes they talk about snivelmen you know deep gnomes um i'm not gonna go into you know they talk a little bit about them they don't really talk too much deep known characters uh, like yeah but I know the dwarves and the elves definitely talk about why they are at war with their respective underdark uh, societies and I know I mentioned in both those episodes um, but I highly recommend this morning Kenyon's Tome of Foes because not only does it talk about like the demon devil wars that are going on um i mean the blood war that alone right there um but it also talks about elves talks about dwarves drugar gith and their endless war you know the gith yankee gizari uh halflings and gnomes and then there is, like, a whole bunch of monsters, just stat blocks, and stat blocks of all sorts of nasty monsters for 5th edition that they included in there. I mean, and, I mean, and then they also give stat blocks for, you know, some of the Lords of the Nine... Um, I think, if not, they 
they may not, they may, they mention a number of these individuals, but yeah, I'm not seeing here. Here we go. I'm looking at the back because you have to skip past demons. These are devils, I do believe. Yes. Uh, from the look of it, those are all minor devils. Um, clockworks. Chokers. Uh, okay. Yeah, but back in the beastry, there is... They don't mention... Like, they talk about uh, minor devils. Um, but the important thing is the demon lords. They actually give stats for quite a few of them. You know, Orcus, Jubilex, Gratz, Yugna, Zugmov, um, but yeah, I highly recommend Mordekinian's Town of Foes to people, even if you want to just create your own adventures, it's a great book just to be able to pull monsters out of, or to give you, I would say strategies or new, uh, way, ways to envision how some of these ancient wars that are going on between dwarves and drugar and elves and drow and you know nose and symbolbin they really don't detail much about that you know in there but i know symbolbin are like a more vicious version of gnomes so i'd imagine gnomes are a bit more afraid of the symbolbin so like it's they're probably almost like the boogeyman to gnomes. At least I would assume so. But needless to say, I'm going to start trying to do book reviews. Um, as far as news goes, uh, one of the only real pieces of news I can say is I, I got my hands on the Ravenloft book uh, that Wizards just put out. And I have to say, I'm, I'm so far, I'm quite, you know, happy. Um, I'm, you know, there's no stat blocks for any Dark Lords. But they give you rule, rules for Dark Lords. Um, which makes it kind of funner, in a way. And I'm sure that as they put out products... Uh, pertaining to each of the different, you know, with different Dark Lords in them, like how they've done Strahd, they'll probably have stat blocks in each book per one, but with the understanding that, you know, in Ravenloft there are these core rules 
that no matter what, these are the rules, like, pertaining to Dark Lords and the realm itself. Um, it's a very interesting book. I, I highly recommend it. Um, I, I've seen a few people complain about they've altered some of the stuff from the original Ravenloft. Uh, and honestly, so far what I've read... I haven't seen anything that I can complain about. Um, everything, uh, excuse me, everything kind of fits well together. So, you know, I'm not going to complain about uh, what I've read so far. And I got the special edition cover, or the special cover. Of it, so I'll eventually get the regular cover once I can afford it. You know, I'm gonna start trying to buy, you know, special covers and regular covers of every book. Uh, but needless to say, everybody, I'm gonna wrap this one up. It's like 12:25. I need to go to bed soon, and tomorrow I'll be doing one on the cleric. Uh, uh, I'll also possibly be going to uh, another game store tomorrow. I'm not positive yet. Um, I've been buying more miniatures. And I'm getting ready to start painting. And there's a few more types of miniatures I want to find. Uh, and I'm not finding them at the one game shop, so... I know there's a miniature shop up north that I'm, you know, going to be looking into going to, um, and possibly visiting tomorrow, uh, just so that, I mean, I can possibly pick up, I may not go till next week. Uh, it all depends. I'm trying to save up money so I can open up a bank account so I can uh, start taking donations or I can start a Patreon page um, so that hopefully if people like what I'm doing and they'd like for me to turn it into something that I am doing more frequently and possibly you know as a full-time thing then you know uh that would be a way for me to be able to do it via patreon uh and then also i'd once i you know cleared uh so much to where I was able to pay somebody to help do engineering for the podcast. I'd be able to add a theme song and all sorts of stuff. I'd be able to really spruce it up. Um, and then as the, it grew, um, you know, I can hire more people to do stuff. And I can turn this podcast into something, you know, somewhat productive. Uh as I said, once I start visiting um, game stores and I start talking to game places, 
comic shops, you know, once things start opening up, uh, I'm interested in doing, you know, live episodes from places, um, we're essentially re-recording in front of a crowd and we'll, you know, pick a subject or whatever and that'll be the discussion of the day. And, but I'll try to, you know, I'm going to try and get, you know, a co-host at some point. I'm going to try and get, you know, maybe even a couple people in here talking. Um, you know, we're, so we might come back and revisit some of these older episodes and, you know, end up redoing, you know, entire things. Uh, but needless to say, I'm wrapping this up, folks. It's getting late and I need to go to bed. But, uh, everybody take it easy. Let the dice fall as they may. Keep gaming and, uh, peace out. Later, everybody.